everybody, and welcome to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Hey, Mark, how you doing today? Sir Alan of the Round Table, I'm, I'm here and I'm excellent. Uh, you know, spring, I think, has sprung a little bit. I think we're still officially about a month out from it sprunging or springing, whatever it's going to do. But uh, let's just pretend I'm good with it. I, I like to think of spring as a as a positive mousetrap, and I think it's almost going to snap down on us and get rid of the the, the, the cold cheese of winter. I, I think it's a mindset. <laughs> is that what it is? It is. I, then I've been looking at it all wrong. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I figure that way, no matter where I am, no matter how cold I am, it's spring. So that works for you, huh? I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If we're pretending, yeah, it does. All right, all right then. I'm all for pretending. Hey, I saw the Constantine's back today. He is he is back today. Uh, this silly vacation stuff. This is for the birds. Yeah, man. that unapproved like what four five week vacation, whatever it was. I know, I know. Crazy. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's already asking me like, well, what do I need to do to get more vacation? What do I need to do to get <laughs> wow. a promotion? And so, you know, I, I not take a month long unapproved vacation. Yeah, to don't, start. don't do that. that yeah. That's no good. Uh, I, I, I told him I, he, he's going to do it. He did something for me in this show. And, uh, if he did a good job, then, you know, we'll see. Okay. Well, yeah. what's he get? Uh, I, I'll just, I'll reveal it at the time. I don't want to spoil the surprise. Oh, you're going to say it later. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's everyone's right. interested. I know. <laughs> they cannot wait to find out. I'm nearly certain Mark. Well, Hey folks, we're here to talk about uh season five episode 17 Partridge. Yeah. This, uh, was a standard edition episode, uh, first aired on April 4th of 2013. Yeah. And it had a runtime of about 21 minutes and 33 seconds. Uh, no producer's cut. Now, Alan, you, you, you promised us uh, oh, that, that, you know, he's some, know, in season five, I can't wait because on account of we're going to have, we're going to have a producer's cut by the end of season five. Well, it's going to be the Alan and Mark producer's cut though. Oh yeah, yeah. That's it's right. not a real one. That's right. That, that now, We're not a Frankenstein. It's all coming flooding back now that yeah. you, on account of you lied, and I there's not lie. one. But we're gonna see if we can put one together because the finale is so chock a block full of deleted scenes. Correct, like ten minutes. Unlike this one. Yeah, very did you notice short. that? I did. It's like yes. a minute. Like minute twenty three. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we get to that point. But yeah, Mark, I like to not think of it as lying as much as I think of uh, being optimistic uh, with no facts. That's the same thing. You are quite the wordsmith. Your English degree is really paying off. <laughs> Good God. I told you it's not English. It's not. Well, but I mean, all right. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, anyway, today's episode was directed by Tristam Shapiro, who we've talked about before. I think this is Tristam's last episode with us, actually, four out of four. Uh, you might know his work uh, from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, Never Have I Ever, and a lot of community episodes. In fact, uh, we kind of know him through a buddy we have who does a, a community podcast. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Tristan, if you're listening, uh, good job, and uh, thanks for doing all four of these episodes. Yeah. But he did like 20 community episodes. So oh, wow, was yeah. More his, uh, he did a little more on that side of the fence. But uh, And then today's episode was written by Dave King. This is uh, Dave's fourth of seventh. So we'll have a few more into season five and six with Dave before we're all said and done. And he's got writing credits for Parks, of course, The Good Place, and The Simpsons. Mm -hmm. so pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, why did you get us into our synopsises? And we'll get this thing rolling. Very good. Very good. Well, I, I, I told uh, Constantine, 
I said, I don't want to be bothered. I'm way too busy and important. I don't want to be bothered with yeah. with writing the the titles uh, to the to the, the storylines. It can be time consuming. It can be very time consuming, and mine aren't very good. And so I said, why don't you write uh, titles to the stories, and then if they're good, I got I got a bag of onions waiting for you. If 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 this uh, this goes well, you hear? All right, onions. Um, did, did we, does he know where they're at? Um, there's a, it's, it's a, there's a scavenger hunt forthcoming that that's going to uh, tell him the location, but he's only going to get the directions if this goes well. Well, the rats found him. So, oh. <laughs> well, it may have been a flaw in your plan. Protein is protein. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So it, apparently I'm, I'm looking at these, they're not bad. Uh, he, he decided to take a, a page from the Allen book. And he, oh, he chose wow. uh, song titles. Oh, nice. So not bad. Like so that. so first of all, the broke this sucker down into three stories. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Mm. Oh, no. Harvey, you didn't get this straightened out. Oh, hold on. Here. I, I think I hit the wrong button. Oh, there it is. Sorry, Harvey. That's not unless you can can't blame him for that. Do something about Alan, maybe. But that's not your fault. OK. Now, you know, you know, Constantine wrote yours. Harvey wrote mine if they're bad. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. So three stories. My my A story is entitled <clears throat> "And a Partridge with a City Key." Very good. That's not bad. It's it's pretty good. You'll like mine then. It's not bad, man. You hear that? All right. I know. I'm sorry about the rats. All right. <laughs> Leslie and Ben head to Ben's hometown of Partridge, Minnesota, where he was mayor at the age of 18, drove the city to a 30% unemployment rate when he attempted to create a winter sports complex yeah. called Icetown, which we've revisited, we visited in the past, and he got impeached two months later. But as a gesture of goodwill, Alan, all these years later, the town is offering Ben the key to the city, a distinction given to all city mayors. Ben is pleased that the city has finally gotten over the Ice Town debacle. Thank Took God. him long enough. I know. And, he, and he's starting to feel kind of at home again, you know, in his hometown. Before the ceremony, they visit Ben's sister, Stephanie Wyatt, at her home, where Ben practices his acceptance speech. And then out of nowhere, Ben falls down and he's in pain and he's, he's takes to the hospital. And, and now he's got, you, you know, kidney stones. We have a friend of ours who uh, could appreciate that, I think. Very and, much. Uh, yikes. And so with Ben all hopped up on morphine and goofballs, uh, the <laughs> the doctor insists, maybe just morphine, the, the doctor insists he's not able to go anywhere. He needs to stay there because he's on account of the kidney stones. So trying to salvage things, Leslie plans to go to the ceremony on Ben's behalf to accept the key to the city. What will happen? Can Ben escape the hospital to be there at the ceremony? Will the ceremony go smoothly or will there be hiccups? Does Ben regret not meeting their city mascot, Fred the Sled? Stay tuned to find out, dot, dot, dot. Very nice. Ironically, hiccups are a side effect of goofballs. Oh, so, yeah, I knew it. Who knew? Uh, so my A story, Mark, the same as yours, of course, and uh, I... Uh, I kind of cheated a little bit. Uh -huh. I, I kind of, you know, did a thing or actually, well, I wrote it if it's good. Remember, that's how this works. Yeah. 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 Harvey conditionally wrote it. That's I understand right. how this works. Go. Yeah. So Ice Town Frown, a.k.a. Uh -huh. Partridge and an Ice Key. <laughs> wow. You're really like, you're like, you're, you're taking bets on all cylinders. I, I like it. I wanted full coverage. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I wrote that one. Yeah. Okay. Shut up, Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you get for the B story, Mark? You see, you see how much he appreciates you. Yeah. 
Got a bag of onions for you too, buddy. Mm-hmm. All right. So my B story <clears throat> is entitled Punch Up the Jam. Punch Up the Jam. Huh? <laughs> that's, uh, that's very good. Technotronic. And an homage to the 1989 Technotronic song, Pump Up the Jam. Very good. I, Love it. Constantine, I really like that one. That, that was, was a good that one. Was, that was yeah. pretty good. All right. Yeah. Ron is being sued by Councilman Jam, Jeremy Jam, uh, who we love to hate, uh, for punching him in the face on the night of Leslie's wedding. Because we, we remember that, right? Oh, yeah. Um, he later meets with Jam and his attorneys, uh, at which point Ron calls upon uh, Andy and April and Tom as his uh, the, the witnesses for the defense. You know, And so although well-intentioned, both April and Tom end up providing false statements about Ron because they're trying to make him look better, you know, and Ron is not happy about this and ultimately asked them to recant their original testimonies and instead tell the truth, even though it's going to likely portray Ron in a bad light. How will this turn out? How damning will April and Tom's testimonies be? If he loses, will Ron be able to afford the court ordered settlements? Does Councilman Jam win the day, or can April and Tom come up with a plan? Stick around, podcast viewers. All will be revealed, dot, dot, dot. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, my B story was simply titled, Parks and Revenge. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. I kind of like that. Yeah. So the C story. All right, Constantine, I really like this one. I, I'll go out on, on a limb. Um, so uh, the, the title of this <clears throat> is uh, by the great band um, Compatibility Test Dummies. And this, the title of it is mm-hmm, We Suck. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. That's pretty good. Yeah. All right. I like it. <laughs> Make myself laugh. All right. Uh, Now that Chris has officially agreed to be the sperm donor for Anne's baby, both of them are taking a lot of time trying to establish exactly how compatible they'll be as parents. And this starts with them both taking an online parenting quiz for compatibility at the suggestion of Anne's counselor, Dr. Van Dyne. They do not do well, only scoring, I think, a 58 percent. They then proceed to attempt a myriad of other approaches, including uh, carrying an egg around uh, for the day, carrying around a coffee cup. uh, And finally, they visit Dr. Van Dyne again to help them uh, kind of assess their situation. What will happen? What does Dr. Van Dyne think of Chris and Ann's high level of incompatibility? Is there a final test they can take to determine if the two of them co-parenting is at all viable? Will Ann have to start all over with her sperm donor search? <laughs> Hang in there, true believers. Only time will tell. Dot, dot, dot. Very nice. Uh, my sea story title's a little long, I'll be mm. honest. But, all right. Uh, here we go. I'm ready. Uh, parents to be or not to be. That is the question. Specifically, question 3B on the compatibility test. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I I like to think of the last part as an asterisk. Yeah. So if you want a footnote, it'll give you more appropriate. uh, It's like a a bibliography. There you go. Yeah. 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 Very nice. Yeah. I like that. I'm going to use that in the future. (laughs) I just got to practice saying asterisk. Yeah. Yeah. Most people cannot say that word. Have you noticed this? No. Yeah. Now I can't not think about it though. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're welcome. You got you got Shakespearean there. Yeah. Well, with that, your title, that was the thought. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. I had no other real themes today. Just random titles. The English degrees panel. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> so, Mark, speaking of English, uh, 
you know, we, we, you know, we don't, we don't, <laughs> we don't think NBC does a very good job with their titles. We've said this before, so we come up with oh my an AKA God. for the episode. Yes, they suck on ice. They and, do. So we really have to on save, yeah, save so. them. <laughs> wow, just <laughs> sir. Thank you. <laughs> it's a good day clap. if I get a slow clap. Yeah, so, yes, it is. Uh, Mark, what was your AKA today? Yeah, my AKA is um, is from my man crush Ron. At a certain <sighs> point, he is uh, assessing this whole jam is suing me situation yeah. and that potentially this could result in him paying some sort of uh, a court ordered a fine or fee sure, sure, and sure. so he makes a comment and this is a little bit of a paraphrase but basically what he says is I don't know how much money I have but I do know how many pounds of money I have <laughs> which I'm just going to say this straight that's kind of a badass it's quote. pretty badass and he thinks so too and Tom. And Tom. Yeah, and I think he tweeted it to Drake. Drake's going to think so, too. It's going to put in some lyrics. I think yeah. he's referring to the fact that Gold. he doesn't keep, like, suckers keep their money in banks. Yeah. That's a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. We all know it. Yeah. It's not a secret. No, it's not and, a But so he keeps his money in uh, gold. I've said too much. But but that's why he knows how many pounds of money he has. That's right. He's just got to find out where he buried it. I know. <laughs> It'll be fine. Uh, how about you? Uh, my AKA was also from your man, Crash Ron Swanson. Yay. I regret nothing. The end. Yes. I mean, that's that, a good those are words to live by. Yeah. Yes. And How many times can one of us truly say that about anything? It's rare. It's rare, but boy, is it good when you can. Yep. The yep. end. Well, nice job, Mark. Yes. Let's, uh, let's get into our breakdown. Yeah. Break it down. Break it down. All right. Yeah. Let's do that. Um, so uh, we'll start with the cold open. A very good place to start. This is, uh, I don't know, this is probably midsize. It's about a minute and 18 seconds. Uh, I would say it's a uh, plot relevant. Um, we're we're here at City Hall uh, in the bullpen, and we see Ron and Tom and April and Andy, and uh, all of a sudden, some some dude enters looking for Ron Swanson. He's like a good uh, delivery guy, right? Uh, he yeah he I, 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 yeah. I guess he's, he's got he's got something in his hands. I don't know what it is. Um, hey Constantine, what? Yeah, I, I'm sorry about the rats. Uh, can you go ahead and start us out, buddy? Play the clip. Looking for Ronald Ulysses Swanson. He stepped out. Yep. Can I take a message? Sure. Tell him you just want a free dinner from St. Elmo's Steakhouse. <laughs> I'm Ron Swanson. <laughs> You've been served. Oh. Have a nice day. Oh. Don't. I don't like you. Uh-huh. But I respect the effort. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Subpoena. Which ex-wife is it? Tammy 1 or Tammy 2? Neither. Apparently, Councilman Jeremy Jam is not pleased that I punched him in the face on the night of Leslie's wedding. He is suing me. $13,000 for orthodontic surgery, $6,000 for enamel repair, and $46 million for psychological damages. Oh, yeah, that seems about accurate. Yeah, that's right. That guy is the worst. We should sue Jam's parents for spawning a human turd burger. <laughs> hey, let me be your lawyer. I'll object to everything anyone says. Trial will go on forever. You don't have to pay. Problem solved. That's a kind offer, Andrew, but I won't be hiring an attorney. I'll represent myself, as I do in all legal matters and livestock auctions. I wish we had $46 million. You could buy my parents' house and evict them. I'm surprised he's taking it this well. Ah! Uh-oh. <laughs> April, could you call maintenance, please? <laughs> uh, the end of that scene, we we can't see it obviously, yeah. uh, even though they're viewers. Uh, that he Ron kind of leaves them in the bullpen, and it seems like he's taking it okay. He's and fine. Then, and then you hear that <laughs> uh, come in, and what is it? A, is it a baseball bat? It's or a little sledgehammer. Slugger, okay, right there in the wall, and it's a hole right in the wall. And then he turns to April, smiling. Oh yeah, because he's got it out of his system Done. now. Yeah. yeah. Hey April, could you call maintenance for me? 
we'll He's see. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could move on that easily. Sometimes. Me too. Yeah. Well, Mark, we kick off the main episode, not at city hall, not even in Pawnee, as nope. a matter of fact, not even in Indiana, in, in Indiana, n- not there either, but in the hometown of a certain publicly humiliated 18 year old mayor, where could we be, Mark? Well, I'll tell you, we are in Partridge, Minnesota. Is that why this episode's called Partridge? I thought it was because of the Partridge family because they used to they, used, they drive the bus I saw the around. Bus drive by, yeah. Um, and then I thought it was because of Partridge in a pear tree. Apparently, it's because of Ben's hometown. Okay. So yeah, we now cut to the to Partridge, Minnesota. We cut to the steps of uh, City Hall, I think, and Leslie's taking some pictures of of Ben there. I think she's uh, kind of reenacting uh, the moment where he became mayor at the age of eighteen, like yeah. where he was positionally, and she's taking another picture of him. So we learn that. Uh, the town of Partridge, Minnesota, will finally be giving Ben the key to the city, something that has already been done for every mayor in the town's history. And Ben seems to be happy uh, to be back in his hometown, especially now that he might be able to move past this whole ice town crazy craziness. Leslie seems, I don't know, Alan, Leslie seems smiling and optimistic, but maybe also a little guarded. I think she's a little worried that this uh, may be not as good as he thinks it's going to be. That's in my impression. Yeah, this is a this is a loaded situation. Yeah, yeah. I think Admiral Mars got his uh, heckles in it. His heckles up. <laughs> his heckles. <laughs> Isn't that a thing? Heckles? What are they called? No, no. His I'm gonna gills. stand by it. No, his, his, his heckles are up. Uh, Star Star Wars is 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 lousy with with guys with heckles. Heckles, yeah. So anyway, might be a tarp. <laughs> it could be a tarp. We'll see. Yeah. Meanwhile, back in Pawnee at the local law firm, uh, I think it's called uh, what GW. You'll tell us here in a minute. I know you will. Um, but of anyway, of course. Yeah, it's deposition time, and uh, we hear the origins of the phrase payback time. This is exciting stuff. I didn't know any of this. Oh my goodness. We are now inside the law offices of Gately, Wayne, Kitten Plan, and Trulfsk, Attorneys God. at Law, which Alan is, is abbreviated as G-W-K-T-A-A-L, which we will now pronounce G-W-I-C-T-A-L. <laughs> do we have to? We really, I, I, I actually looked at our contracts. We do. It's required. Okay. So, so, right. so <laughs> and, anyway, I have no choice in this. We're now here in the lobby of... Gwicktow, where Ron is sitting with Tom, April, and Andy as his, uh, as we said, kind of his witnesses for the defense. Uh, Jam walks in with his legal team, kind of taunts Ron a little bit, and then continues on into uh, the meeting slash conference room where I think it's going to be taking place. Tom becomes a bit nervous, noting that those uh, he thinks those are John Ralphio's lawyers oh, yeah. uh, and they once got him $60,000 on account of he got too scared at a haunted house. So who knows what they could do with this? <laughs> nice job, Mark. Well, back at City Hall, the focus is on compatibility and Chris and Ann are doing their due diligence to ensure that theirs is strong enough to proceed on this crazy journey that began in our last episode. Yeah, well done. All right. So, yeah, we're we're at City Hall back in the bullpen. We see uh, Ann and Chris are sitting. They usually have a, like a, a round center table in the middle of the room. And they're both sitting there and they're both on laptops and they're both taking this online quiz. And Donna and Jerry are in the background. They're kind of looking on. Uh, Chris finishes and Ann finishes and they tabulate their score. And the quiz tells them they are 58 percent compatible. Ooh. Not great. 
Uh, although, you know, Chris, in, in his uh, demeanor, it tries to stay positive, you know, like, oh, this is pretty good. At least until Donna chimes in that she, just for kicks, she filled out the quiz and she's actually 81% compatible with Chris. <laughs> Want to make a baby trigger? And then Jerry filled out the quiz just for kicks and he is 84% compatible with Anne. So, okay, they did not do well as ann said this sucks yeah (laughs) well back in partridge we get a chance to meet yet another member of the wyatt clan and who apparently decides to stay behind in partridge minnesota yep yep you don't get out of there by the time you get into middle school you're staying there for life yep yeah um so we now cut to the home of ben's sister stephanie wyatt uh and i think we actually saw um uh, on the Unity quilt, there was a patch. Remember that for her, yes. For we've her. never met her, before. and it, there was a, a, a patch with a, a an icon of a bicycle on there. I think That's in right. the name Stephanie, but we've never yep. met her, so here we've she not is. Met her, yeah. So yeah, Leslie's sitting in a small dining room chatting with Stephanie, and Ben joins them a moment later. Uh, Stephanie tells Ben she's really glad that he came back for this because of all the you know craziness, and Ben admits, yeah, you know what, I wasn't sure, but Leslie helped to push me to make this decision, and he's really eager to put this whole ice town craziness behind me once and for all. Um, Leslie is clearly loving this opportunity to oh, get yeah. to know Stephanie and which is made even more evident by the binder that she brought with her. She Ch- brought a binder. Ch- she brought a binder, believe it or don't. And, <laughs> and chock full of uh, questions such as, for example, so who were Ben's high school girlfriends and what base do you think he got to? <laughs> My Lord. It's good. Not awkward. <laughs> Ben's like, um, what? Yeah. Yeah. Take the fifth. Well, the deposition gets underway at, uh, G-Wick-Tow. G-Wick-Tow. Yeah. I'm going to get that eventually, Mark, I swear. Yeah. And we are about to hear a few from a few key eyewitnesses about what really went down during what, Mark, I'm calling Punchgate. <laughs> You're welcome to use that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. I don't know. That's Kool-Aid. I, I'm, I'm thinking about Hawaiian matter. punch. They made a punch. They, they made a punch. Did they? All right. Yeah. And then, and then, oh, yeah. It counts. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. it counts. Um, so, we returned to the law offices of... Gwicktow, where Tom and April and Andy are now getting asked questions about Ron. Constantine, good sir, play the clip. And what exactly did you witness? Defendant, alias Ron Swanson, alias my boss, used appropriate force to prevent further damage to the wedding of Leslie Nope, alias my other boss. You sound as if you have a special interest in law enforcement. Yes, sir. In fact, at the time, I was trying to become a police officer, but was deemed unfit for the force. And what happened? Don't know. Well, I pooched the brain exam. <laughs> Just to be safe, I wouldn't take anything I say too seriously. Next witness, Your Honor. Ms. Ludgate, have you ever heard Mr. Swanson threaten to hurt Councilman Jam? Ronnie? Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, jeez. I've never heard him threaten to hurt anyone or anything. The guy's like a vegetarian. Oh, no. Look at him. He's like a big old soft teddy bear. His nickname around the office is Softy Pants McHuggable. Oh, God. Did you ever hear Mr. Swanson say he intended to injure Councilman Jam before the day of the wedding? The answer is a flat no. Ron doesn't really pay much attention to other people. I doubt he even knew you existed. Also, may I say for the record, that is a dope pocket square. Can I see that bad boy? Tom and April were excellent witnesses in my defense. Unfortunately, every single word out of their mouths was a lie. There's only one thing I hate more than lying. Skim milk. 
Which is water that's lying <laughs> about being milk. Well, consistent uh, theme. That's a classic. Yes, yes, it that's is. That's a classic meme. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I feel like Softy Pants McHuggable should have become a meme somehow. Well, or at least a T-shirt. I think we got a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. We got another idea in the hopper. Yup. Well, meanwhile, back in Partridge, Ben is preparing to receive this great honor when things take a sharp, painful turn. <laughs> See what I did there, Mark? Yes, yeah, yes, I yeah. do. That's uh, that's foreshadowing. It's foreshadowing. Yeah, yes. I do I'm, that in English. I'm class. Literary and stuff. Yeah. All right. So back at Stephanie Wyatt's place, we see Ben uh, practicing his speech in front of Leslie and Stephanie, and it's going, it's going pretty well. You know, they like his speech well enough. Although Ben does appear uh, at first glance to be a little sweaty and nervous. Yeah. Uh, which I guess you kind of understand because it's, it's yeah. in pale and 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 uh, so he exits the room to use the bathroom. Ag- Again, several times in the last hour. is kind of weird. And the next thing we know, we hear, and he's crumpled on the floor of the bathroom, and he's kind of clutching his uh, his stomach uh, area, and he's crying out in pain. And Leslie and Stephanie run to his side, not knowing exactly what's happening. Right. Although, despite what Ben suggests, he is probably not pregnant. But either way, <laughs> Stephanie decides to play it safe and calls an ambulance. In fact, I think at one point he's nearly certain it's twins. Yep. That's pain. That is pain. That is pain. I do not uh, want to experience that personally. Nope. Well, still in Partridge, it's no Ann Perkins Hospital, and he's no Dr. Harris. Instead, we get the frackleman clipperton combo, and I guess I'll just have to do, Mark. The, uh, the, the, the Fackelman Memorial Hospital in Partridge, Minnesota. We now cut to Ben's room. He's been admitted. He's laying there uh, calmly in a uh, hospital bed. He's uh, he pumped full of morphine, the, the, <laughs> no the, good, so the, the good stuff. So he's yeah. doing good right now. <laughs> um, Dr. Clipperton. And Ben, I think, have known each other for a long time. And, and Ben is is glad, you know, uh, worlds colliding and all sure. that he and Leslie are, are, are having each opportunity to meet. Um, Leslie asks Dr. Clipperton if they can do anything to get Ben to the ceremony that's in a couple of hours. But Dr. Clipperton tells her, no way, man. Uh, ben is not going anywhere for at least a day on account of look at him, you know. And, and Leslie suggests calling Mayor Stice and rescheduling the ceremony. Mm-hmm. But I think... Despite being hopped up on morphine, Ben protests, saying the town expects him to wuss out. And so he doesn't know if he likes that idea of rescheduling, but he is clearly in no shape to attend. No, he's not. In fact, I think it's at that point that he realizes that the price is right it might be on. And then he gets a little emotional thinking about back when he used to stay home and watch Price is Right when he was sick. Was that a thing for you? Oh, my God. It was a thing. Like, I was going to ask you the same thing. Like, I think anybody of a certain age, uh, like us, um, probably did this. I, I remember being homesick. I remember saltine crackers and 7-Up and Price is Right, among many other daytime uh, game shows. Well, we were a little bit more high class than saltine yeah? crackers. Yeah, have. All right, you called my bluff. We weren't. Well, I had, I totally had saltine crackers. Maybe I'd have an apple oh, sure. along with that, and, and like something carbonated Seven Up make you feel better. Yeah, of but course. the price is right. Eleven a.m. to noon. That because you'd be in school. Why would you ever see it unless Less. yeah you were homesick? Those were the best episodes of The Price is Right ever. I agree for sure. Yeah, I I had an uncanny ability, so I claim to guess what the <laughs> the showcase showdown thing would be. Was it from all like your shopping? Like you're good at shopping. Uh, no, no, no. It's because I lie a lot because oh. I, I don't really do it. But, but if you can get it within $100, <laughs> yeah. you get both. You get both showcases. Every time. Really? I'm a liar. 
<laughs> you are a liar. Yep. Still, so, good good memories. Good memories. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, while we wait to see what Ben watches after The Price is Right, we check in briefly on our potential parents-to-be in training of a sort. Yeah, uh, we, we shift back to uh, Pawnee City Hall, um, and we see... Anne and Chris sitting outside in the courtyard together, and they're discussing how poorly they did on the compatibility quiz. Yeah, not great. So between the two of them, they they attempt to come up with a couple of other possible ideas to see if they would make good parents, including carrying around uh, inanimate objects such as an egg That's good. or a coffee mug. It's most smart. But unfortunately, we learn Anne bought the eggs uh, 12-pack, as they commonly come in, uh, but left them at the grocery. So basically abandoned her 12 kids at the grocery. And Chris, uh, the instant he suggests that they use the mug, instantly drops the mug, shattering it on the ground. And so then they just kind of sit there silently and look at each other. So things are not looking good. I hope that's not foreshadowing. Mm -mm. When she cried out, (laughs) I bought 12 babies and immediately abandoned them at the Kroger's. Uh, that was a funny line. That one got yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. So good stuff. Well, now we jump back to the law offices of Gates, Gretzky, and Kitten Farm. And uh, Mark, if there's one thing Ron can't cotton, it's the thought of being a vegetarian. And second worst, a liar. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't cotton either of those no, things. Uh, they're, they're bad things. So yeah, back in the lobby of Gwicktal, uh, Ron is <laughs> Ron is definitely d- uh, expressing his displeasure, uh, to say the least, at what Tom and April said about him, dis- and despite what their intents must have been, because I think their intents were good. But for God's sake, April called him a a vegetarian. Sorry, Alan. Um, okay, what if that leaks? How will people ever respect? I mean, how do you live with it? You don't. Barely. I see. I see how your life goes. Yeah. He, he doesn't want that. So <laughs> long story short, even though Tom and April protest, Ron insists he is going to call them both back in the conference room. They will recant their original testimonies and they will tell the truth, even if it makes him look bad. Well, I, I think he's, you know, he's a man of principle, if nothing else. I completely agree. It's hard not to respect that. So, yep. Tom, yep. on the other hand, not so much about principle or even telling the truth, as a matter of fact. In fact, I, I think he talks about, you know, uh, he had to live on the streets of Bombay and uh, was on the version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and then had to get reunited with the love of his life, Latika. That surely sounds like someone else's story to me. Lying is a way of life to him. That, that <laughs> That's how he survives. I get it. Well, and April only does it when she wants to sound like she's lying. Yeah. Which is really funny. Well, she only tells the truth right. when the truth will make it her sound like she's it's lying. Like she's lying, yeah. Yeah. So, and Mark, I, I accidentally, you, you know, you probably caught it. I mispronounced the name of the law firm. It, actually, it's Gates Gretzky Kitten Farm and Toe Jam. I, I was close. <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> just just ridiculous. Yep. It's Gwicktow. Gwicktow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, next we jump over to downtown Partridge, where Leslie is giving Mayor Stice the bad news. And back at the hospital, Ben's meds are starting to work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, uh, I I love uh, I love crazy Ben. Where I don't care if he's on morphine or if yeah, he's drunk, matter. he's yeah. funny. He um, so yeah, back in Partridge, Minnesota, we see uh, Leslie and Stephanie at the site of the upcoming ceremony, and they're telling a skeptical Mayor Stice 
um, that Ben won't be able to make it. And they show Mayor Stice a video of Ben clearly demonstrating he is not in any shape to be there. And Mayor Stice seems very irritated and disappointed. Like, man, why is of all days? Like, why does this have to happen today? Doggone it. And Ben is very upset that he can't be there for several reasons, not the least of which is the presence of the town mascot, Fred the Sled. Well, he only comes out for special occasions. I know. But Leslie does tell the mayor that on the positive side, she will be there to accept the key on Ben's behalf. I um, J.K. Simmons uh, is one of my favorite actors. And to have him in this episode as Mayor Stice was terrific. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah agreed. Not always playing in the comedy role, but when he does, it's it's enjoyable. You know what? One of the things I, I enjoyed the most that he ever did what was that? is, is uh, way back in the Tobey Maguire days with Spider-Man. Oh. He made an absolutely yeah. fantastic J. Jonah Jameson. He really did. Maybe the best I've ever yeah. seen. I mean, I wasn't, can't, you know, I wasn't really in the comic book world, so I, I think I know what canon is, and I think from what I understand, he kind of nailed it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, back at home, we bounce back to the law offices of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern <laughs> to be reminded that the only thing worse than a regular jam is a smug jam. Oh, just making stuff up. All right. So back at the conference room of G-Wictal, whatever, of whatever Tom recants as because Ron asked him to. Tom recants his earlier statements and gives a more... Uh, accurate accurate, accurate, uh, testimony. And so then we see via a series of humorous flashbacks that, in (laughs) fact, there were several times that Ron did comment to Tom that he would love to just blah, blah, punch jam right (laughs) in his jam face. Sometimes like he would see this way, like Ron would see him walking around City Hall. And other times Ron would just be like sitting there just daydreaming. And like, hey, what's going on? I'm just daydreaming about punching jam in the face. So <laughs> it's obvious that this wasn't just like a one-time thing. Like he several times, like his face looks like it needs a punching. Like this happens several times. So um, doesn't look real good for the defense, Your Honor. No. And and jam being as smug as he is, I think makes him basically twice as punchable, if you ask me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So mm. plus, plus. <laughs> Well, back in Partridge, it's time for Ben, or his proxy in this case, to be honored and receive his copy of the Key to the City for his faithful service. Yep. Yep. You know what they should have done? They should have had like a robot that, that uh, like the, <laughs> the, 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 you know how they got the wheels and like the pole with the wheels and then they put a tablet on there like right. the person's face. They so should have done that. And then they, they didn't. So, you know, missed opportunity. All right. But yeah, we, we cut back to Partridge, Minnesota, where uh, the ceremony is now starting. Constantine, start the ceremony, sir. Play the clip. But now, 20 years later, the city has finally healed from the festering wound of Icetown. <laughs> Yikes. Today, we put those horribly painful memories behind us as we welcome back the mayor who made all of that possible, Ben Wyatt. <laughs> oh, that's a typo. That's a major typo. It says Ice Clown. I'm just realizing now that's not a typo. Hey, aren't you his sister? Uh Uh-oh. I gotta get out of here. Good luck, Leslie. See ya. (laughs) Here to accept the key to the city of Partridge because Mr. Wyatt is conveniently ill is his wife, Leslie, no. And it's water. (laughs) (laughs) The key was made of ice. And much like the hopes and dreams of the people of Partridge, it melted away. 
Again, this would all be way more satisfying if Ben was here. Okay, yeah. excuse me. I would like to point out that we drove all the way here from Pawnee, Indiana, a city with some class, by the way. And sure, my husband made an honest mistake 20 years ago. But it was very meaningful that you were going to find able to forgive him. <laughs> if it's so meaningful to him, then where is he? He is in the hospital, sir. He has a calcified rock lodged in his penis. <laughs> Frankly, Ben Wyatt is the best thing to ever come out of this crap town. Oh, yeah? What about Judy Garland? Yeah. Judy Garland's from Partridge? She lived here for a while. Yeah. And Lee Jansen. Who's Lee Jansen? He's a golfer. He's pretty good. Yeah. Well, Ben yeah. Wyatt's better than Lee Jansen. <laughs> and he's better than Judy Garland. <laughs> crazy. Judy Garland's amazing. But Ben Wyatt is better than all of you because he cared about this town and he tried to help it. You know, screw you, Partridge. And a sled is a stupid mascot. <laughs> well, Mark, I have to agree. Uh, the sled is a stupid mascot. Yeah, although it, it, it is funny because, uh, you know, Leslie is such a fan of Little Sebastian, which Ben never got. Yeah, that's true. And it's interesting parallel. Oh, that is. You just blew my mind. Like I had knocked out of it. Boom. There it went. See it? It's all over the walls now. <laughs> and, you know, I'm sorry. Judy Garland or Lee Jansen, he's better than all of them people. I mean, not Judy Garland. She is a. No, that's that's stupid. She's a say. treasure. But She's a treasure. But, I mean, the rest of those, no good, no good nicks. And really, an, an ice key? Yeah. Come on. Come on, J. Jonah Jameson. You can do better than that. <laughs> it was kind of funny, though. It it's a little funny. Poured out of the box. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. Well, back at Gwick Tal, yeah. uh, did I get it? Yeah, shamalama ding dong. Woo. Yep, yep, you got it. It is April's turn to tell the truth, the full truth, and nothing but the truth. Yeah, boring, boring, stupid, stupid truth. Yeah. We cut back to the conference room of Gwick Tal, and April has essentially just mirrored what Tom did before. She uh, recanting her original testimony and then telling the truth. Uh, putting Ron in a less than ideal light. And when asked if he wants to make a statement, um, Ron says the following in, in typical Swanson fashion. Sure. On the night I punched Councilman Jam in the face, I warned him several times to back off. And True. instead, he attacked me twice. True. Interesting. Yeah. Truthfully, I barely registered his attack. He's incredibly frail and his <laughs> arms are weak. And when I punched him, he dropped so quickly I thought he was diving towards the ground. I regret nothing. The yeah. end. Classic. <laughs> Classic. So at this, I mean, so essentially, even Ron, when given the opportunity to make a statement, yeah. kind of has given Jam what he wanted. So Jam thinks like, hooray, he's yeah, ecstatic. And, and he's like, you have Ron... Swan, he calls him Swansuck. Swansuck, he's you know, you've put your you've been put away by yourself and your own team, or as he puts it, you've been self-jammed. Self yeah. yeah. That's the worst kind of jam. Because we've seen jammed, we've seen yeah. ghost jammed, ghost we've jam, seen yeah. drunk jammed. Now That's we true. see self-jam. I love it. Yep. Yeah. Well, back in Partridge, Ben is feeling a little bit better, at least for the moment. And Leslie isn't sure how to tell him about the news from the ceremony. Yeah, he. We cut back to Partridge, Minnesota, and we. This is, I think, in the parking lot of Fackelman Memorial Hospital, and yeah. Ben has just been released with a big uh, bottle of uh, of, of uh, goofballs or whatever pills he has, and um, oh, to go to, to go. Yeah, but I mean, strong stuff. Yeah, and he he pops one and says, "Okay, I got about twenty minutes until I'm starting to blue." <laughs> so Get you know, questions so now. talk to me, and and he asked Leslie how it went, and like, can I can I see the key? And, and, you know, it's getting engraved, Mark. After a certain point, Leslie can't 
lie and and you know he kind of a bad liar. He, he kind of and I think he kind of suspects. Yeah, and like you, this was a this this was a setup, wasn't it? And she said, "Yeah, it was." And 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 Ben is disappointed for sure, but unfortunately, he's not surprised. Like I think more than anything, he's chastising himself for allowing his Tim to get his hopes yep. up. That's the way I read it. And and right. in, in a fit of stubbornness, Leslie tells Ben, it, "It's so unfair. You work so hard. You've done so many great things, and for your hometown to treat you like this, you know, screw this. We're gonna make one more stop That's before right. we leave." Tuck in your shirt. We're going to City Hall. <laughs> Strap in. Yup. Well, while we wait to see what Leslie has in mind, we bounce over to the fertility clinic and get a chance to find out, along with Anne and Chris, the results of their compatibility test. That's right. Yeah, we 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 cut to a CT Tavis Medical Building where Anne and Chris. I know. <laughs> Anne and Chris are paying a visit to Dr. Van Dyne uh, to talk with her about their, quote, compatibility issues. Constantine, good sir, play the clip. So, Dr. Van Dyne, we took the compatibility test that you recommended and we didn't do amazing. But I'm sure that happens with a lot of couples, right? Well, it's not like we failed. We got a 58%, which, as I'm saying, it sounds very clearly like we failed. Look, there are many ways to judge compatibility. Okay, you know what, let's do a little exercise. I'm gonna say something about your future child, and then you just say the first thing that pops into your mind, okay? Gender, girl. Boy. Okay, religion, whatever Buddhist. he wants. Whatever, whatever, whatever he wants. Uh, how about occupation? Six-time Tour de France champion. Really? Okay, I, I'm sorry, are you guys complete strangers? Is this one of those uh, Craigslist father situations? Well, no, 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 we actually know each other quite well. Yeah, we used to date, actually, but it didn't work out because we had some compatibility issues. <laughs> you know what, why don't we just try one more compatibility test? Great, no, let's do not. it. <laughs> Chris is so enthusiastic. Right, right. Double thumbs up. Even the test as to whether they want to take the test, they fail. <laughs> True. Yeah. It's no. Yes, I want to do it. It's no. not looking good. Yeah. It really isn't. Back at City Hall, Mark, Team Swanson regroups and postulates the possible outcome of the proceedings. Word. Yeah. See what I did there? To your and mother. It's an alliteration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. You're right. Yeah. English degree. It's a theme so today. Th at City Hall in the bullpen, we see Ron, Tom, April, and Andy, and they're all kind of discussing how things went. And they haven't heard any decisions yet, but... As we realize, things definitely could have gone better. Like that's for sure. And Ron comments how he intends to do as the court orders, no matter what happens, and walks away to his office. And Tom and April commiserate on on how guilty they feel because they they like knowing that they at least contributed to Ron not being shown in a good light. And they start to brainstorm as far as what maybe they could do to make things right. Well, Mark, we jump back to Partridge to meet up with Mayor Stice away from the eyes of the critical masses, and we get to see what Leslie had in mind. Yeah, we, we now jump back to Partridge, Minnesota, and we're now in the office of Mayor Stice, where Leslie and Ben are chatting with him. Well, uh, Leslie is, anyway. Ben's uh, Ben, at this point, is feeling, I think, a little loopy. Yeah. Constantine, play the clip, sir. Let me start by apologizing, Mayor Stice. I had no right to disparage your town. Well, I owe you guys an apology, too. I uh, had a little bad publicity lately, and frankly, it's still really easy to score points by bashing Wyatt. Can't you just give Ben a key to the city here, now, in your office, where no one will know your shame? <laughs> Sorry, babe. No worries. I love you. 
You know, <laughs> if people found out I gave Wyatt the key to the city, I would never get reelected. So, no. What are you doing there, Wyatt? <laughs> I'm feeding your eagle. He's starving. It's it's bronze, babe. Why? <laughs> the eagle. We should go. Yeah. <laughs> It gets me every time. One of I my see that favorite scene. scenes it really ever. Is. I mean, visually, I'm feeding your eagle. He's starving. Yeah, he, like he's he's dummy. telling him he's very uppity, like like <laughs> it's like scoffing at him. Like this is clearly what's happening. <laughs> it's bronze. Why? <laughs> why? That's why the food's lasting so long. That oh should have been gosh. his first clue. Well, back at City Hall, Anne and Chris prepared to take one final compatibility test. And needless to say, Mark, there is a lot riding on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we're uh, here. We see Chris visiting Anne in her office, and they're discussing recent events and how poorly things went with the counselor and how seemingly incompatible they are. Uh, however, in a moment of thoughtfulness, insightfulness, and compassion, Chris has come up with one more compatibility quiz, which consists of one question, which mm. is. Will you love our child and work hard to see that he or she has a good life? And Anne smiles and answers yes. And Chris points out they got 100% on this quiz. And that this is really the only question that matters, you know, all the rest, just details. And this makes Anne smile, realizing that, holy crap, this is really happening. They are going to be co-parents together. I like that. I actually like that scene. I thought it was good. And I liked Chris's sentiment that... That's the only thing that really matters. Everything else is just details. I agree. I, I think that I like this Chris. This is post yeah. him being very depressed, blah, blah, yeah. blah. I like this Chris that can like come at it from the opposite end yeah. and be like, I am going to be optimistic yeah. and help others become optimistic when they need it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And I don't even think he's necessarily seeing Dr. Richard Nygaard seven times a week anymore. It's just like it's, you know, Chris in a good place, Chris. I think he's rebooted his baseline. There you go. Yep. I like it. I need to do that for myself. <laughs> Well, Mark, it's bad enough that he's been messing with our buddy Ron, but in this next scene, Jam just goes too far and insults yet another Hoosier legend. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, so we're we're uh, still at City Hall. We cut to the office of Councilman Jeremy Jam as he is about to get some unexpected visitors. Hey, Constantine, play this one last clip, buddy. Thanks. Yeah. No, I was with Johnny Cougar Mellencamp at that music fest. We both thought biggest yabos we've ever seen in any... What the hell? That was important. Game's over, Councilman. <laughs> Drop the suit. And why exactly would I do that? We took a look at your affidavit. We cross-referenced it with telephone records and eyewitness accounts and, uh-oh, we found 11 lies. Lying under oath is called perjury, and they should know they did it yesterday. Well, I mean, maybe. I accidentally said something that wasn't, let me see that. Ow, my wrist, you twisted my arm like a maniac, oh no. <laughs> you monster. Ow, you assaulted me and I'm injured. Oh my God, Tom, are you okay? All right, you know what, I see what you're doing. I barely touched you. That's not what I saw. My face, is my face still there? What happened to my knees? Someone please tell me if Tom is okay. Jam, I'm gonna sue you. <laughs> okay, fine. Hey, listen. Keep your mouth shut about the affidavit. I'll drop the suit, okay? Hurry, Tom. Let's get you into surgery. Yeah. Yeah, it's me. We got jammed. 
<laughs> so is that a rejam or a jam a jam jam? Like what, what would you call that? Um I think uh what 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 comes around jams around. Uh I, I don't know. I I, I, like I, I don't know what else to say it. <laughs> it's a it's a, a jam back. Yeah, it's one of those things. Jam back. Jam back. I love that I like band. That. Yeah. <laughs> they were really good in their heyday. <laughs> Well, Mark, all that's left at this point is the kicker, and we're going to finish up this episode still in Partridge, giving Ben one last shot at a few good memories before they head back to Pawnee. Yep. We uh, we uh, cut one last time to Partridge, Minnesota, where we see Leslie and Ben sitting on a bench by a lake, just chatting about little things. And all of a sudden, Leslie tells Ben she got him something, and out of her purse, she pulls the key to the city. And Ben is stunned and astonished. Like, what's going on here? And Leslie explains she stole it from Mayor Stice's office because, well, screw that guy. You know, I mean, Ben should have it. Screw that guy. And Ben is extremely appreciative of Leslie's actions and swears she is the best wife in the whole world. But upon contemplation, he comes to the conclusion he didn't want it. You know, he uh, he loves Partridge, but he has Pawnee now. And more importantly, he has Leslie. And he throws it in the lake, which would have been a nice uh, symbolic gesture. But a park ranger sees him do it and chastises him and then recognizes who he is and then starts yelling at him, calling him Ice Town. And he, he and Leslie make a run for it and fade to black. Very nice. Yeah. I think I would have run too. Yeah. Yeah. He was not welcome there for sure. Well, Mark, nice job on the breakdown. Let's uh, take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about our tropes first, fun facts and all the jazz and uh, score the thing. And then we'll send everybody home after that. Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. City manager Chris Traeger has informed me that I am, quote, woefully behind, end quote, in my HR courses. And at this point, I can either A, spend an entire Saturday in a conference room with Chris or B, record this simple, the more you know, PSA. And so, here we find ourselves. Fortunately, Chris was not explicit about the details of this PSA. As a result, I have opted to review these seven relatively unknown laws here in Pawnee, and I am already having regrets. Anyway, here we go. Number seven, it is illegal to play dominoes on Sunday before 5 p.m. Well, of course, the real domino action happens at nighttime, particularly during the witching hour. Everyone knows that. Number six, businesses who allow dancing must be no closer than 1.3 miles from any cemetery. Personally, I think dancing should be automatically allowed any place with a good breakfast buffet. Case in point, the Glitter Factory, but that's just me. Number five, it is illegal to dress any domesticated animal in human or doll clothing. Here, here, I wholeheartedly endorse this, particularly when around Harris and Brett from Pawnee Animal Control. Guys, just because you capture an animal does not give you the right to dress it. Number four, hmm. This just says, Jane is so stupid, I'm not letting her use my roller skates anymore. Well, first, I might point out this is not technically a law. Second, it seems perhaps these laws have not been reviewed in some time. Disheartening, but unfortunately not surprising. 
Number three, it is illegal to wound or kill fish with a firearm. Unless, perhaps the fish is really asking for it because you know, some fishes are just snarky know-it-alls. Number two, biting is strictly forbidden during any organized fight or pugilistic event. Of course, without biting, there is a fine line between a so-called pugilistic event and, say, line dancing. And finally, number one, men must bow to any woman who is in their second or third trimester of pregnancy. Nope, absolutely not. It's not that I'm against this law in general, however, obtaining confirmation from a woman that she is pregnant and or how far along she is, is a recipe for certain disaster. And there you have it, seven laws that are perfect examples of what your government can do for you, or in this case, to you. <sighs> Thus ends the PSA. Thank you. That is all. Alright everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, I'll, I'll talk about the deleted things very briefly because, well, they were very brief. They were very brief. I think it had like just a slightly over one minute, 20 seconds, something like that. Yeah. About four scenes, uh, three and a half, I guess, because one was technically a talking head. And as I recall, mostly, um, you know, penis jokes. I mean, not bad, no. but but they, they, they cut the right material. I, yeah. I was thinking to myself, I don't recall the last time... I saw this few deleted scenes from a time perspective. Other than zero, correct. Yeah, it's hard to find one where there's literally just about a minute. Well, that's true. I guess there have been some where they didn't include deleted scenes. Well, right, because there was a producer's like a longer cut, usually. Cut. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, see. Yeah, but in this case, you're right. I mean, I think it was just three short scenes, mostly all with the doctor, definitely all Ben-centric. Right. And, and I think, you know, because that was functionally the A story, they they had covered that well enough, and this just didn't really add anything to the episode. Agreed. Yeah. Check them out if you got the DVDs, but otherwise, you're not missing much. Right. Mark, how about tropes first and fun facts? I um, I did a poor job of, of, of noting them this week overall. I, I think I know a lot of them, but I didn't really do a good job of writing them down for some reason. Well... How about you? I know you did better than me. I, I think that the, the odds are maybe. Well, let's see. I have two firsts. I have, uh, we, okay. we visit Ben's hometown of yeah. Partridge, Minnesota, and we meet Ben's sister, Stephanie. Yeah, those are good. Those are both true. Um, I, I think I had one other one, and um, I, I know what it was. It was the first time we meet another town's crazy Ian's. Oh, so I see. Partridge Ian's in this case. It does seem like there them. is a little bit of a parallel a between bit. them and Pawnee in the sense that they're not quite right either. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like that. Yeah, me too. It's a Midwestern thing. I guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, what'd you get on your tropes? I, there's a pretty good list here, I think. Yeah, I, I have a decent list of tropes. Uh, first of all, Leslie Note binders. Yeah, so my God. We got right that up we, front. We've yep. had a lot of those lately. We have. Um, interesting thing. I usually just put down PBJ and then fill in what it is yeah. afterwards. Yeah. 
I don't know that there was any explicitly. I know that there was the scene where both Jerry and Donna remarked that on a lark, they filled out the quiz. Right. And maybe the implication was Jerry did it. Oh, my gosh. But it didn't have the the, the punch that it usually did. So I'm not even sure there was a punch. Like, I, I don't think they, right. there was no zag on that zing. Like, yeah. The, so I don't think th- I'll argue no PBJ in this. Episode, this might actually. be one of the rare occasions where there is no official PBJ. Yeah, I, I didn't call that a first because that has happened one other time. Yes, it's a time. rarity, yeah. though. Um, uh, Ice Town. Yeah. Just because it's been a thing. Now, sure we has. haven't heard about it. I think we talked about this last episode. Yeah. We haven't heard about Ice Town for like, I want to say since season three Two or three. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, beginning of season three. You're exactly right. Yeah. Because they come in at the end the, of season the, the two. Media blitz. And that's then that's right. where they really hammer it home and it gets well, all weird. And they're, they're trying to, you know, they, they do the save the cat thing with Ben. Right. Because he's a pretty unlikable character at first. And I think they're trying to get us to make him a little more sympathetic. Right. And they introduced the storyline, which was effective. So. But you're right. I don't think we visited it since. I had a rig, R-I-G, Ron invests in gold because we've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. You, usually because, you know, he's like, I've said too much. Yeah. But but he he's he's definitely said that before. I want to say all the way back in season two, he's alluded to At that. At least season two. Um, I had a TSG, the Swanson Giggle. Because <laughs> we had that at the very end. He thinks he wants the steakhouse uh, coupon. Yeah. I'm Ron Swanson. <laughs> um, I had, I don't know if this is a trope, but I had it because it stood out to me. R-U-S, Ronald Ulysses Swanson. Just because I remember when we first heard that, or I think we saw it printed on a piece of mail, we that's went, right. oh, that's Swanson lore. Yeah, so good. it's just a repeat of that. See, at first I thought you said R-O-U-S-S-S. Like you know, rodents of unusual, unusual size. size. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. bit of a tip of No the Wesley. There. It's no. not. Um, <laughs> oh, great movie. It is. Great movie. Um, uh, CSAP, Chris says, and Perkins. That's good. I mean, it's. I, I think that's something where we should have had that for a long time. And, Already. And. and yeah. We didn't, so I'm trying to include it where That's good. We'll just go back and insert that in a few episodes. Yeah, it sounds good. Fine. It's we'll, good. We'll have Constantine Harvey do that. And uh, on a similar note, CSL, Chris says, literally. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, YGJ, you got jammed. Or some variation thereof, because that, that's a big thing now. I think you called it something differently, but same sort of deal. Um, Sweet Stupid Andy. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking like not knowing if Tom is okay when Tom was clearly faking his injury. Like, whoa, right. no, my face. And then Andy's like, oh, will someone tell me if Tom's okay? <laughs> oh, Andy, I love you. Um, I think there was very few mugs to the camera, but I thought I clocked Andy doing it. But I don't know if anyone else did. Maybe others caught it. Um, it wasn't as obvious this week as I think it has been in weeks recent, for sure. Yeah, I yeah. would agree with yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and then I finally had fun with names, although not as many as usual. I, I said Mayor Stice, not that it's a crazy name, but that's a little odd. And then like the the the, the Gately the Gately Wayne Kitten Plan and yeah. um, which yeah. has other ramifications, which we'll, we can get to uh, later. Did yeah. I did I miss any tropes? Um, I think on the trope front, that's pretty good. I was going to say, um, I, I was going to comment on the big mugs thing because I think a lot like PBJ, I, I tend to write it down and then just fill in like, you know, all the examples or at least a few. Right. Eh, not so many today, though. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think that connects with the thought I'm going to have here when we get into our, our you know, our scores. Uh, any goofs or fun facts this week, Mark? I had no goofs. Um I had 
I had two uh, fun facts, I would say, or you can be the judge if they're fun. I'll be I, the judge. I, I have two, two facts. Um, one is, I guess, a, another little subtle, you know, tip of the hat uh, to uh, the West Wing, which, I mean, there have been a few little been a few th- homages, things like sure. that. So uh, Annabeth Gish, who played yep. um, uh, Ben's sister, Stephanie, in this episode in the West Wing, she played first daughter Elizabeth Bartlett. Uh, that's all for that one. And then the other one, um, Alan, I want to say when we had the, the our first Pawnee spotlight of on Mike Shore, uh, one thing that we I think we covered in that was uh, how much he loves uh, the book Infinite Jest. Yeah. And so this entire episode is just lousy with homages to that book. So just like off the top of my head, the the law firm. Uh, Gately Wayne getting right. playing Charles. They're all names of students at the fictional uh, on-field tennis academy from that book. Mm-hmm. Um, the compatibility test, as a matter of fact, that Chris and Ann take is the Incandenza Peculis Parenting Compatibility Quiz, which is named after two characters in the book who, wow. are, who are friends. And then the next one, or the last one, I guess, is uh, I know that there are two kind of sort of medical places that we've discussed in this episode. One is Fackelman Memorial Hospital, which is in Partridge, Minnesota. And then there's also C.T. Tavis Medical Building, which is where the counselor is that Ann and Chris went to, right. to talk to. And I, I believe that one or both of them are named after various uh, people or places uh, in Infinite Jest. I think one is named after the headmaster of the Onfield Tennis Academy and the other may be named after a debt collector. I'm not positive, but but suffice to say, a lot of infinite jest references, references throughout. Yeah. Yep. Well, when I first saw the CT Tavis thing, I was like, uh, thought maybe it's Chris Traeger, CT Chris Traeger. Oh. Yeah. But, yeah. But then I had, I had read briefly too about your your reference there. So I've not read that book, but uh, it makes me want to go check it out. Same here. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, nice job, Mark. Um, should we move in then to our scores? Oh, we're gonna. Let's do it. Yeah. You can't stop us at this no, point. No, no. Strap in, put on your helmet, don't get stuck. Here we go. MVP, Adam Scott. Suck it. Well, no, good. He he plays Ben Wyatt. Um Oh, that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um I gotta go, I gotta go with 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 uh with Ben Wyatt. He, he has been growing on me more and more and more and more. I mean he he's Adam Scott's uh, a genius, you know. I I think we've called Ron him won't the, get jealous though, right? Whatever, you know. He he's got his gold to keep him company at night. <laughs> um, you know, we've we, so a few things. We've proven how funny the Parks and Rec gang, including Ben, can be when they're uh, sick or under the weather or otherwise not at their best. Um, and we've also seen that Adam Scott is never funnier than when Ben is freaking out. And this episode, I feel like, kind of gives us the best of both worlds of, there yeah. and provides a great platform from, for Adam Scott to shine. Um, on the show, Ben is one of the most openly intelligent and capable capable people there. And yet there is a whole lot of craziness lurking underneath that, you know, that sensible, nerdy exterior. And I kind of like that. I kind of like that when Ben was introduced to us in the very beginning, he was just kind of a, you know, I'm an accountant and I'm just kind of a boring guy. And I'm just going to, he was the kind of the hard ass for Chris too. He was, but he was also like, there's not a lot of humor there. This is what I'm here to do. That's true. I'm very straightforward. I'm very, I'm going to, I'm going to eat my soup on a bench. There's not a lot (laughs) of excitement there. And yet you peel back the covers and I, I, put forth to you 
I think that he's one of the crazier people there. And I love that. I love all the little quirks that we found about him over the years, you know? Um, Yeah, I've got a comment on this one, so. Um, and, and I'll say this on a somewhat serious, semi poignant moment. I think it's gratifying to see Ben finally let go of the shame and the angst that he's held on to for so long with regards to his stint as mayor. Because screw those guys. I mean, Alan, this town thinks Fred the Sled is a good <laughs> mascot. What the hell do they know? Yep. So anyway, um, I had mentioned this in the episode briefly, but I really, really like the nice juxtaposition between Fred the Sled and little Sebastian. Because, like, all this time, we have a trope. Biggie, Ben doesn't get it. And the reason why we started that is Ben didn't understand what everybody sees in little Sebastian. I mean, it's just a small horse. What what does he do? (laughs) He he does it awesomely. But now Leslie, who clearly loves little Sebastian, cannot for the life of her understand why anyone would care about a damn sled. So (laughs) nicely played, well written. Yeah. Andy was just cracking me the hell up like from from when I blow my nose, I get a boner to wondering if there was actually something wrong with Tom when he was faking the injury. That just made me laugh. Tom's um, acting was so good. <laughs> oh, no, my face. Um, a few nods to a few more nods to Ben, who I just thought did such a good job. I love how he kind of repeated just kind of the, the self-satisfied kind of lip pursed kind of head bobbing you do your thing baby smurf that that we i think we saw this in the whole snake juice uh, yes. stuff like when he did it's his same kind of high, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> and he Baba just kind of looks around just very self-satisfied you know um i also loved it we covered this but i i love it so much i want to say it again i love the condescending high way that ben told the mayor um your eagle starving <laughs> like you know you dummy Duh. and then when when uh Leslie said he's bronze, babe. Why? Why? I'm impressed Amy Poehler didn't break. I know. Because well, I'm not convinced that, she didn't in the nine. That caught takes. me completely by surprise. Yeah. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. So, a lot of good stuff. I got some nitpicks. Um, first of all, only so-so use of the comedic bench. Yep. Uh, very low use of Donna and Jerry. I, not enough to take away points. But I'm not going to give him any points for it either. Okay. Um, and sometimes I do. Not this yeah. time. I question whether Ron would really be able to be sued, especially since Jam threw the first punch. Actually, the first two punches. That's true. Um, Shoved, then punched. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So I don't know. It seems like maybe there was an easier path to victory than what they pulled at the very end. Not that I thought it was an unfunny scene. I thought it was a funny scene, but I, you know, this show thrives in a lot of ways because it, it of, of the, the care and the thoughtfulness that they put into its plot. I and and I kind of yeah. went, why didn't you do that? But anyway, um, okay. it, that's why we call them nitpicks. That's right. Um, it, I, while I like the Ben and Leslie return to Ben's hometown story, I don't know. I. I kind of wish Ben had gotten to face down his demons like, you know, Mayor Stice and the jerky townspeople in person. Like yeah. I, I thought because remember it's flu season. So th- check this out. Yeah. In flu season. Leslie was nearly out of her mind. Right. But at the very end, she summoned the inner strength to come back and do what she needed to do for that one moment. Wouldn't that have been a nice parallel? That's. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they did it poorly. No. I'm saying maybe it was a missed opportunity. Yeah, the poor writing was well done. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm leaking out. I'll wait. <laughs> I, I 
I, I know a few episodes ago, uh, I went on a mini rant about how Anne's whole, like, I all of a sudden want to desperately be a mother. Like, it felt a little forced, especially because, yeah. like, she wants to know if kids like Coldplay and all that stuff. And, like, all of a sudden she wants to be a mom. And I know I had my rant about that. And I also went on a mini rant in the very last episode yes. prior to this one about how it felt like Chris and Anne all of a sudden went from, yes, I will donate my sperm to you to we will raise this baby together. Right. And, and it's just like they leapfrog there. And I don't know exactly why this never sat well with me, but it just feels weird and just kind of off. And I, I know everybody doesn't feel that way. It could just be me. But having said that, I, I think maybe if I just have some time to let this settle and go, okay, I still don't completely get it, but I'll accept it. Well, sure, you can forget it and then accept it. But I know another guy who's bothered by it. <laughs> And I'll admit this whole Anne wants to be a mom storyline. It's had some opportunities for last, but overall, honestly, Alan, I feel like this is one of the more awkward subplots that they've had since, since Tom thought he would actually succeed at entertainment 720. And we all know how I felt about that. Yeah. So anyway, um, also, also, while we're talking about Anne and Chris, uh, (laughs) here (laughs) we go. Um, I think it's kind of odd. I want to see if you agree with this. All right. I think it's kind of odd to hear them now say, allegedly, that they initially broke up because, quote, we weren't compatible. Because, huh? Because if memory serves... I'm not saying you're stealing my thunder today, Mark, but yeah, go ahead. But... Right. Um, <laughs> because if memory serves, and you chime in here if you want, if memory serves, they broke up without Anne realizing it, I might add, That's because right. Chris was moving back to Indianapolis, not because they didn't like work well together. In fact, if any, here we go, here we go. If anything, due to the way that Anne acted with her boyfriends around that time, if anything, Anne had become a mini Chris of her own. Of her own. So incompatible? I don't know if that's exactly the right way I would term that. So long story short, I'm a curmudgeon. Get off my lawn. I get it. This isn't a huge deal. It's, It's not, but... For a show that has shown so much skill and thoughtfulness and creativity with storylines and continuity, this just seemed like an odd retcon. It, it was a it was an opportunity for a joke, and if the joke had been anchored in something that had actually happened in the show, it would have been funny. <laughs> well said. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. So anyway, um, Mark rant over uh, Mark rubric beginning now. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give this a 3.5 base score uh, for uh, for the base score. This is why I call it the base, base score. score. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, I thought that two of the three storylines were decent. I thought, honestly, the Chris Ann one was kind of throwaway. I mean, it wasn't offensive. I just didn't really, meh. I didn't, I didn't get much out of it. And it was kind of odd what was there. So, eh. Um, I'm going to give a whole point. From, from my personal episode MVP, Adam Scott, uh, playing Ben White, I just thought he did such a good job. I really, really liked it. There were others that did a good job as well, but I just thought he really nailed yeah. it. Um, I'm going to give half a point for what I thought was a nice list of, of guest stars. Uh, J- the great J.K. Simmons as yep. Mayor Stice. Yep. Uh, great job. Annabeth Gish as Stephanie Wyatt. Um, John Glazer as uh, the, 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 the villain we all love to hate, uh, Councilman Jeremy Jam. Uh, Bill Dwyer as Paul Shaw, who I think was like the lead of the of the legal team. Yes. And right. Wolf Muser, who was Dr. Clipperton. Um, I think there were a couple other people, too, but they played very small roles. So I'll, I'll just stop there. Um, 
I'm going to give a half point for what I call the runner-up combo. And what I mean is runner-up for me to consider them for MVP. Mm. I thought Amy Poehler playing Leslie and Nick Offerman as Ron, they both did a decent mm. job. And I and I I think Ben maybe ekes it out, but I want to give a tip of the hat to them. So so combined together they get a half point for their efforts. I okay. want to acknowledge that. Yeah. I'm going to give another half point for what in, in for what I call the C story combo. So in its entirety Everything, especially the ending where Chris gives the unexpectedly sweet and straightforward final test. All right. Uh, you know what? I'll give you a half point for that. Um, probably nothing else. I'll, I'll give it to you for that. I'm going to give a half point for what I call the Parks and Rec lore combo. You got diving into Ben's past via mm-hmm. Partridge, Minnesota and Icetown, plus showcasing some of Ron's virtues. So even though he hates the government, doesn't think it should exist, he doesn't take the easy way out and he's willing to abide by what the court decides. I'm going to give half point for what I call the Ron support combo. I thought Tom, April and Andy uh, had a lot of funny, quirky moments as they tried to support Ron in one way or another. So, you know, well done. Half point for that. I'm going to give half point for something I've done many times. I'm going to call it the bookend combo. I thought it was a a funny cold open where Ron gets served uh, and the very sweet and satisfying kicker where Leslie steals the key. Ben says he doesn't need it or want it. He's got Pawnee and he's got Leslie. So well done. I like that. I'm I'm going to give one more half point for the infinite jest combo. I thought there were a lot of nice references in this episode, a lot of nice little tips to the hat, a nice nod to the fans who are paying attention. I liked it. So that gives us a final score of, let's see, uh, eight little Sebastians, 8.0 little Sebastians. This was a really, really tough one for me. With all the nitpicks, I would have given this a 7.5. From a technical perspective. On the other hand, there's something about this episode. Mm. I felt really, really good coming away from it. And from a, from a feel good perspective, I probably would have given it to eight, five. Mm -hmm. So as crazy as the Mark rubric may be, I don't know, 8.0 little Sebastians. I I can live with that. Like for me, that seems like a not unfair score. It's right in the middle of the road between the two. A, A solid episode. This is probably my least favorite of the last six or so. Um, but as we've often alluded to, and I think it's pertinent here, that's what I just said is not really an indictment of this episode. It's more of a statement of how freaking good the episodes have been in season five yeah. so far. Um, yeah, so fair. anyway, Mark's final score, 8.0 little Sebastians, uh, scuba needs rocking back to you. That's my review. All right. Nice job, Mark. Um, I'll, I'll kind of start where you finish then and then say, yeah, I feel like this story, this episode specifically, mostly served for several arcs, right? And because it's a utilitarian episode is what I'll refer to it as, it's going to be hard for it to be a 10. And I think our scores both today reflect the fact that we, you know, not, this is not a 10. And if we even gave this a nine or a nine and a half, there's just too much, that's too close to what the, the best of the best is that this is not, right? right? It's a good episode overall. I did not dislike the episode. It didn't leave me, I, I guess I felt better about it than I did about the mechanics, kind of like you did in what you said. But at the same time, it wasn't like, there's a couple moments in here that I love, but overall the episode's meh for me. I mean, that's just the way I feel about it, honestly. I think it, it hits home a couple times, but mostly misses when it swings. I mean, that's just kind of where I landed on this one. Um, 
I said bad writing earlier. Of course, it's not bad writing. I was, you know, mostly tongue in cheek there. But I mean, even on their worst day, it's still really good writing, right? It's no two and a half men. It's no two and a half men. But anyway, um, I felt like two thirds. I thought it was interesting too that two thirds of the storylines here today uh, revolved around revenge. Mm. Jam wants revenge, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Partridge wants revenge on Ben. And I think when you, I know it's weird to say this, but I think when you start with a negative as your motivator. Unless you really nail it, it's it's sometimes hard to make that funny or satisfying. And I think that affected this episode. I really do. Um, now, not that those things can't cause hilarity, um, but there wasn't a lot of hilarity today. There's, like I said, some really good moments, some classic meme lines here that, you know, stick with you. Ben feeding the eagle every time. I'll <laughs> laugh every time I see it, I swear right. to God. But, um, you know, beyond that, it just meh. Me. Um, the bench, poor usage of the bench. I wrote that down. I felt like, you know, Donna and Jerry had a interesting kind of piece there with the Ann and Chris storyline where they both took the compatibility test. And I thought that was kind of funny. Right. Yeah. So beyond that, they were barely in the episode. Right. Um, I feel like there's an interesting theme here. Well, let me continue on with the bad stuff and then I'll come back to the good stuff. Yeah. 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 Cause that's what I'm doing. Um, I felt like I was, like I said, a little bit unsatisfied with all three storylines. I felt I still bothers me that they immediately assumed that Chris was going to be dad and not the father. And I don't know when that happened. And and I well, think they alluded to it last episode. Well, no, no, I know. I mean, but even last episode, I didn't know when it happened because they just said it like it was like assumed. And it happened I, last episode. I Yeah, I know that. I knew it <laughs> happened last episode and I was pissed about it last episode. Well, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. I agree. And what I'm about to say or trying to say is someone shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I think it could have been really rewarding to them to get to that decision together. Ding, ding. Right? I agree. Yes. They screwed up that opportunity. That was a really interesting potential story plot. Inherited in this episode, plot. but it started last one. And if they hadn't leapfrogged yeah. to the end yeah, 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 and they yeah. had shown the journey of how they a could kind of get there, yeah. maybe they could find out they're actually kind of respect each other and are interested in each other. Or yeah. maybe they actually have more in common or whatever. Organic. Because, yes. yes, like I said at the beginning of my rant, this is a large <laughs> arc mission on this episode. All three arcs. I mean, I guess not Ben so much. That's that's kind of the core. It's the A story here, of course. And if we didn't have that episode, we wouldn't lose anything in the arc, except that it's great Ben Leslie stuff, right? I would actually, I would argue that Jam suing Ron, while it makes sense, yeah. I wouldn't say it's that's, necessary. Well, you know what? That's true. I guess it doesn't necessarily further an arc, except that, you know, forge a person like Jam had Ron actually punched him. This is not a crazy outcome of that. This is probably what would happen, in fact. Yeah, so, if he hadn't punched him twice in the first place, but go on. Doesn't matter. <laughs> so the guy like Jam. And again, this I is know. Not, this I is, know. Right? I mean, because this is civil, right? This is not criminal. And so there was no criminal charges. The cops said, we saw what happened. Yeah. But this is what happens in real life because that person had no legal avenue they do this crap instead and yeah sue them for 46 million dollars of pain and suffering you're right this is very much in jam's character it is in jam's character I'll so i felt that. like in that way it did advance the arc so to speak but like i said i, I felt lacking on all three storylines the chris dad thing still bothers me I, I think they missed a huge opportunity there because that's so important to what's about to happen with chris and ian that it would have made that whole journey almost as cool and rewarding as the ben leslie journey right we, we won't get now 
Um, I felt like Annabeth Gish was wasted in this episode. I agree. And I don't know her and comedic I like her. strength. I like her. I've seen her in great stories and uh, movies and stuff, but, and, and I did enjoy her in the West Wing as a matter of fact. I mean, she didn't have a lot of time on screen there either. Um, none of the Bartlett daughters did. Um, uh, but it's interesting that both her and um, um, the youngest daughter have now gone on to, you know, much bigger things after the show, like a lot of people did. But anyway, I agree with you, though, like J.K. Simmons, they gave him a few opportunities yeah. to kind of chew the scenery a little, a little bit. bit. And you could appreciate yeah. that it was him and not just a placeholder for the mayor. Annabeth Gish, as much as I like her, could have been it, anyone. It could have been anyone. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, that's what I mean. I didn't feel like they really gave her any good material. Like you said, chewing the scenery. I, I loved when when J.K. Simmons said, uh, "You know, that would get I wouldn't be able to get reelected." So no, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. and again, it was his delivery of that. Right, so, right. Anyway, um, I think the last thing I'll say is that you know the one thing I did like in the kicker, especially was. I thought particularly they did a really good job of picking a great Indiana scene there um, when they're sitting on the bench and there's a tree and then there's foliage and there's a little tiny lake and kind of some background. It's just a pretty little spot they found. And I'm sure they shot that in California. And often when they shoot those scenes, I look at that and go, well, that's California. But I looked at that one. I'm like, that looks like a uh, there's actually a city park here right outside of Indianapolis and there's a place there. It looks just like that. And I'm like, that's hmm. a really good stand in for Indiana. So I thought that was worth calling out. You don't always, they don't always nail that. And this Even though it's did. partridge. Even though, well, that's fair, but it's, yeah, shut up. Okay. <laughs> Damn it. Well, okay. Fair enough. They still <laughs> it shot was it in still California. a really pretty scene. I really liked it as a use for the kicker. Well, and it is interesting that that could be a, that is a non-obvious it's obvious it's not California. It could be a stand-in for any one of a number of Midwest. Midwestern states. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Indiana, Ohio, Michigan. I mean, at a, at a certain level, they all kind of look the same. You know what I mean? Right. So uh, this one, they chose a good spot location for that, for sure. Um, I think that for me, I, I struggled between... I, I did the whole gamut. Seven and a half to eight and a half. And I just said, fine, I'm done. Eight. Because I, I didn't know where to land on this one. Because like I said, it was a real mix of things I enjoyed and things I thought could have been much better. So, um, and, and there's no one particular thing I can point out that they did wrong, but I think there's a number of things we both mentioned today that probably could have had done differently or better, could have made this an eight and a half or a nine. Honestly, hear, hearing the, um, the, the, the issues that you had with it, I'm I'm more tempted to give it a seven point five now than an eight, but I'm gonna stick with my eight. I mean, it was it was still decent. It's I, I still thought there were some decent jokes, but I I thought you made some very very good right. points. So final score seven point seven five. Well, and, and you know, if this were two and a half men, oh god. I mean, so what? So what is what is two and a half times four? Is this a serious question? Ten. Right. So a Parks and Rec 4 is a 10 for two and a half men, right? Oh, that's pretty good. It's math. It is math. Everything is math. Did you know that? Yeah, Music, I, found, all I, of it. I found that out. It really is. Yes. Uh, I, I'll say one to that, which is binary for yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and we've passed nerddom and we got, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Mark, we'll be back next week okay. or sometime soon, I think, with episode 19 of season five, article two. No, we won't. It's going to be episode 18, animal control. <laughs> I read the next one.
I'm like, what the hell? Because I think I've been thinking about Patton Oswalt and uh, uh-huh. the whole rant. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to it. So. Yeah. Well, Mark, we'll be back next time with episode 18 from season five, Animal, animal control. control. That's where they apparently use their the ESP powers to control animals. I'm looking forward to that. Well, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of sci-fi, so that's fine. Have you heard of the of the new show out called Animal Control? Yeah, it's uh, got uh, Joel uh, there. From, Joe McHale, uh, McHale from, from Community. Community. Yeah, yeah. I, do you know anything about it yet? I've I've watched uh, uh, a couple episodes of okay. it. Okay, um, or I may have just watched the pilot. I think the pilot is all out as of this weekend. Right? It's not bad. Um, I I need to watch it some more. Okay. It, it's got enough behind it that I want to keep There's watching it. There's something worth watching the second week and maybe. Week three. Okay, I, I love Joe McHale. I think yeah. he's very funny. funny I think guy, he's yeah. very charismatic. I think that the rest of the of the cast is pretty good, but that I want to see where they go with it. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll put a watch on that and yep. see. We'll report back. All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week, everybody. We really appreciate it. Like I said, if you would, please go out to Apple, rate and review us. We'd love it if you would do that and uh, tell your friends about the show and uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us.